gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of College Football with Forno. I am your host, Tyler Fornis, and we have a special guest here today. He is a good friend of mine, and he is a betting producer and writer on college sports for the Philadelphia Inquirer, so, and he is somebody that knows an immense amount about the college football product. His name is Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you doing today, my friend? Yeah, pretty good. Um, glad to to be on this and and be able to talk some some football. Um, you know, it's it's always a pleasure to you know do something with you. I feel like every stop you've been at, you know, one of us has has been on e- each other's show. So uh, it it's it's a pleasure to be on and uh, glad to be talking with you uh, once again. I mean, we talk every other day, but but you know, it's, it's good to talk officially about college football and, and exciting slate of games. Oh, it was a really exciting slate of games, and we're we're gonna kind of skip the uh, the review portion um, just for the sole fact that we are looking at a championship weekend slate that we're gonna kind of reference stuff back. And some of the big games, Devin, are really fascinating here, and they have a lot of of championship implications. I think let's start here with number one Georgia because the whole world assumes that if Georgia even loses this game, they're still going to make it. They, they lost last year. They ended up at the number three seed and the rest is history. They are a 17 and a half point favorite against an LSU team that forgot to show up against a, a bad, but talented Texas A&M team last week. So they really don't have much to play for other than pride. This game kind of feels like a, it could have been a stumbling block for, Georgia, but they now with LSU not having the ability to play for the playoff, it feels like this could be a runaway for the Bulldogs. Well, how do you see it? Yeah, I, I think it's one of those games where I think no matter what, LSU is in a spot where they're overachieving based on what they have. You know, I know Jay and Daniels has played some really good football, uh, you know, a dynamic talent, uh, you know, is a dual threat guy, but when you look at how they've won the season in some of their big games that they've won, um, you you really got to give credit to to that defense, especially. Uh, they have a lot of talent every year at LSU, and especially defensively. So for me, I would look at this game as a eventually Georgia's going to run away with it. I think LSU is going to give them a good punch, and they're going to give everything they got to Georgia, but. You know, with them as seventeen and a half point dogs, I like I like Georgia covering. They have a bad taste in their mouth based on what happened last year in the SEC championship. We know what happened with Bama throwing the football over the yard against them. Uh, James Williams having a monster day. I don't envision that happening again. Uh, and you think about it, Georgia doesn't even really need to win this game, but when you consider that they've won the SEC championship before but lost a national championship uh they've lost an sec championship and then won the national championship they want to complete that full cycle so for me i i like georgia 17 and a half here uh in this game uh i just think just based on lsu what they did last week plus the uh status of jane daniels being in question georgia is just a machine and i think they're going to bulldoze the the tigers in the second half uh, of the game on Saturday. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I, as good as some of the pieces are for LSU, I just don't see anybody, um, being able to really compete with some of the dudes that, uh, 
Georgia has on defense. And it's kind of odd. Georgia had one of the best defenses of all time last year, and they lost an immense amount of talent, yet they're still competing at an incredibly high level. I don't see LSU being able to really compete, especially without the motivation that they needed coming in to really make that run. And 17 and a half feels like a lot, but we've also seen this Georgia team beat some very good teams by quite a bit this year. They ended up covering against Tennessee. They co- uh, they almost covered against Florida. They were half a point away. So depending on the book, you might've still got that cover. They like, this is a very good team and LSU is just, there's still too many question marks for me to want to um, give them the points. But we can, yeah, yeah, we can, st- yeah, yeah. I was going to say, absolutely. Um, you, you just, there's just too much things I think working against LSU at this point to, uh, to still be confident in them, you know, go ahead and, and winning the game. I think at this point, I don't want to say they're, they're happy with just making it, but just being able to kind of overcome what they, some early season question marks. I mean, that, that loss of Florida state, Still, still, really, really bad loss. I would say. I know Florida State turned out to be a, a pretty good team this year, but uh, you know, with with as many things that went in their favor, and they still weren't able to win. I think, uh, you know, just for them to even get to this point, I think is is a an accomplishment in itself. But I, I think Georgia is is laser focused on what they want to accomplish, and, and they'll handle business on Saturday. Couldn't agree more. Um, One of the more interesting games um, gets its own time slot on Friday night when Utah takes on USC in the Pac-12 championship game. This battle was really undecided going into the day, and there were multiple tiebreaker scenarios that needed to play out with Utah, Oregon, and Washington all being eligible, and they ended up in a three-way tie and Utah gets the bid. Now, earlier this year, Utah hosted USC, and they got the win on a two-point conversion with under a minute to go. I wonder if Utah is going to try and get Vince Young back on the sidelines because that might be exactly what they need to be able to pull this off for a second time. Um, it's, it is a USC is a three-point favorite here on a neutral field. We know that USC can score. But can Utah score enough without having that home field advantage to be able to keep up with this Trojans team? My answer is no. Um, And it has a lot to do with what USC is going to be able to do on Friday night. Um, You you look at the three-point spread. um, I don't don't love the spread, per se, because I can see USC kind of run away with the game in Utah, uh, like backdooring. Uh, you know, a uh, a push. I, I could I could see that where USC kind of controls the game, but Utah, you know, kind of scores at the end towards the game because USC gives up a lot of yards. So I don't love that. I I mean, I absolutely love the over in this game uh, just because Utah wasn't able to stop USC last time around. They had to beat them with a two-point conversion. And you factor in that Jordan Addison got hurt in that game. So they didn't have their top receiver target down the stretch of that game, but they were still scoring. At point, I think they were up by 14 before uh, Addison got hurt. Um, so I, I think USC is, is, is ready to uh, to win this game. They also have a uh, sophomore linebacker, Eric Gentry, uh, that got hurt in that game as well. He's going to be a key in 
kind of uh, maintaining that that run game that Utah brings to the table. And are they going to have an answer for Dalton Kincaid? You know, he had a huge game last time these two teams played. Um, so I think Gentry is going to be a big part of that, uh, and they're going to key on key in on him and force the receivers on the outside to make some plays. But I think USC finds a way to to score uh, often and early and often. Caleb Williams kind of stamps his claim to the Heisman. I think USC uh, wins the game, but but I'm not I'm not touching the the minus three there. It it just feels like a trap because USC probably will control the game, but I can see a, a late game scenario where they're just worried about securing the win and not necessarily the uh, the margin of victory. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm very interested to see if Gentry is going to be able to keep up with Kincaid or if they try to match a cornerback up against him, because let's just be honest with ourselves as good as this Utah team is and what they can do. One thing that they don't have is dynamic wide receivers that can take advantage of you on the outside. And Kincaid really does a lot of that damage. Tavion Thomas has already declared for the NFL draft, so he will not be playing in this game. Um, leaving a lot of the workload to guys like Micah Bernard. And I I think this USC defense has really thrived on turnover luck. And that kind of worries me a little bit here, Devin. Uh, they allowed 45 points to UCLA and forced four turnovers. Like I, I don't, there's, we talk a lot in um, prognosticating about sustainability. And I just don't see how this USC defense is going to continue to be sustainable because their turnover luck has been absolutely immaculate. Like where do you sit on that? Because it's, (laughs) they're getting in I mean, they're making plays, but like Drew Pine dropping the ball in in Saturday's game against Notre Dame and then USC just, Oh, I'm going to pick it up. And then they end up driving and scoring a touchdown. Like that's not exactly something that you can count on week after week yet. It keeps happening. See, I, I think it's not sustainable, but it also puts pressure on the opposing offense to be perfect. Because if you don't, if you give the ball up, USC is going to score. I mean, that's that's kind of what we got into at this point in the season. So I think it kind of works both ways where it's not sustainable, but because they do it so often, teams are even more conscious of trying to be perfect and trying to uh, keep up with what USC's offense does. So it kind of works in their favor that they have such a high power offense because that can be your greatest defense, a great offense, because you know when they get the ball back or when the game is on the line, Caleb Williams is probably going to make a play. So, you know, all you have to do is get a stop, you know, get a turnover, uh, and and you're getting the ball back right in his hands. So it kind of goes both ways. Certainly not sustainable. You won't beat some of the top teams like Michigan and Georgia, you're not just not going to be able to rely on them turning the ball over to win the game. Um, we can talk about that a little bit later, but against teams like Utah, you know, UCLA, obviously, you know, they're, they have been somewhat careless with the, the ball, their quarterbacks and, you know, uh, opportunistic defense like USC, they're going to take it and run with it. So I, I think it's it just really the style of play, uh, that their offense brings to the table, I think is kind of the difference maker in why they play the way that they play now down years down the line. And once again, to the big 10, they're going to have to, there there has to be a change there because teams are just going to keep running it, running it. They'll run it seven, eight straight times. But, um, you know, when, when you have combination of playmakers, 
defensively, plus their pass rush has been lethal as well. I just think the pressure that they put on offenses to score and keep up with them is the reason why they've been able to be on the receiving end of those turnovers. Yeah, I agree completely. And this USC team is kind of um, um, putting the forest before the trees here, and they're, they've, they're already positioning themselves to potentially win the national championship about a year or two earlier than um, a lot of us predicted just because of what Caleb Williams has been able to do there. And we'll talk about his Heisman candidacy here in a little bit. Uh, next game I want to get to is a very important one for the Horn Frogs in Hypnotoad as the 12-0 and 0, uh, TCU Horn Frogs take on Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. The first matchup this year saw Kansas State jump up 28-10 to 10, and TCU end up scoring the final 28 points to win 38-28. Kansas State had to use three quarterbacks in that game. This they're going to be going into it squarely with Walker Howard. And they put on a show against Kansas being consistent, running the football. Deuce Vaughn was an absolute monster, but TCU also put up a 60 burger on a a very good Iowa state defense. TCU needs to win this game to get in the playoff. We all know that. Are they going to be able to get it done in Dallas against this Kansas state team? Something tells me, uh, no. And I think it has a lot to do with the contrasting play styles of both teams. TCU is a big play. Uh, you know, you've got the, the home red threat and Quinn Johnston, who's, who's probably going to be a first round receiver. Uh, Max Duggan is, is played really well. But man, I'd, it is so hard to bet against Kansas State because, like, you see the difference their offense is with Adrian Martinez versus Will Howard. And they're just so much more efficient offensively, especially in the passing game. Like Martinez brings you that running ability, but the inconsistencies with his, his passing is, is kind of played his uh, career as a very talented dual threat guy who bursts on the scene as a true freshman with Nebraska. So for me, I just worry that TCU has played catch up so many times that when does that come back to bite you? You know, and and I think Kansas State is kind of that perfect storm of a team that's played extremely well down the stretch. They've had some big wins uh, to get to this point. Uh, And obviously they had the win to get in the Big 12 championship. Uh, If they lost, Texas obviously would have been in this game. I like Kansas State to win outright. Um, I just think they're the more well-rounded team. I think TCU relies a little bit too much on the big play, and I think Kansas State is uh, kind of that perfect storm of, of someone that uh, you know can limit that and force you to uh, you know kind of nickel and dime down the field. And for me, I, I just worry that TCU is, is not going to hit any big plays and. You know, when they're forced kind of in the confines of their offense, they struggle. And and you, you've seen some of the games that they should have won handedly. They haven't. You know, they were in a dogfight with West Virginia uh, a couple weeks ago. So I, I think Kansas State gets them in this one. Yeah, it'll be interesting, especially because Quentin Johnston did not play against Iowa State. And that ankle injury could really hinder him. And we'll talk about Max Duggan's Heisman candidacy here, but he proved against Baylor that he can um, 
he can figure it out without some of these top weapons because he had um, four top guys out in those last two drives against Baylor and still found a way to come back down nine in Waco. So I believe in Duggan in this team a little bit more than I think you do, but it would not shock me to see Kleiman who, you know, obviously, you know, his track record from his time at North Dakota state and some of the things he's been able to do in Manhattan have been tremendous taking over for Bill Snyder. Like this is going to be the must watch game of the weekend. Um, USC Utah is going to be good, but this, especially as you mentioned with contrasting styles, are we going to be see the Deuce Vaughn show, or is this going to be Kendra Miller and Quentin Johnson taking over? I cannot wait to watch it. Um, and TCU only being a two point favorite um, tells you exactly what the sports books think of this game because it is going to be a barn burner. Um, yeah, it's, of- it's a massive it's a massive game for for college football playoff implications too. You know, uh, TCU loses and man, we have a quite a discussion. You know, obviously we're assuming that USC will win, but, you know, TCU loses. That's the the biggest piece, I think, right now um, in terms of who's going to be that last spot. So it, you know, it it may not be the dominant talk of of the week, but uh, it certainly is huge when it comes to the playoff. Oh, absolutely. Let's talk about a couple other games here. One that you and I absolutely have to talk about. Our Fresno State Bulldogs are a three-point underdog on the road at Boise State. Now, these two teams played earlier in the year, but the Fresno State was absolutely obliterated with injuries. Jake Hayner did not play. He is back. They are at full health, and we are seeing a renaissance for this Boise State team. After starting 3-3, three and three, Hank Bachmeyer had already entered the transfer portal. They've rattled off six wins in a row to get to 9-3. and three. Andy Avalos looked squarely on the chopping block. But they have figured it out in a big way. Fresno State finishes eight and four, and they're likely ten and two if Hayner stays healthy. This is going to be one of the fun games of the weekend. It's a three o'clock central kick. I believe it's on CBS Sports Network. As that the three o'clock slate is going to absolutely dominate um, the the college football sphere because you also have the Sun Belt and the AAC. So that that middle slate is going to be solely G five, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Where do you lie on Fresno State, Boise State? I know where your heart lies. It, it lies with our, our Bulldogs and Jay Kaner, but this is going to be a very interesting and difficult matchup for the Bulldogs. Man, I, there's one team that gives Fresno State fits. It is Boise. Um, it, there's no question about it. It's just there's something about how Boise plays defensively that just – takes Fresno out of its offense. We saw last year, Boise was not very good last year. You know, they were, I want to say they went seven and five in a regular season, but one of those wins came against Fresno and they shut down Jay Kanner, shut down Jalen Cropper Moreno. Um, and, and there was nothing they could do. This time is different. Boise is the team that's being hunted this time, but it might be the best pure quarterback matchup of the weekend. You you have a dynamic dual threat in in Taylor Green that uh you know is just a redshirt freshman, but he has played some outstanding football over the last month of the season. Um, very efficient. Um, you know, hitting the deep passes when they're there. Then the thing about them is that I I just worry Fresno's not going to have enough answers defensively. I certainly love the over in this game. 
because I think there's going to be points scored, um, especially for Fresno to, to have a chance in this game, in my opinion. If it's a low-scoring game, it favors Boise. You know, I, I just think they, they – they this is the type of football they play. But, man, it, it's it's going to be a tough um, – I, I don't think I can, I can take Fresno plus three. Uh, it, it is just extremely difficult to go in, especially in the championship game. And, and, you know, something noteworthy is that Boise hasn't played in the championship, I think, in a couple of seasons now. So it's even bigger you know, for, for that aspect. So, so for me, I think the matchup to watch is certainly what J.O. Skinner does defensively for Boise. You know, that is, is one of my guys that, that, you know, since, since last season, obviously Jalen Cropper too. Um, but I want to see does Fresno, how does Fresno contain tailing green? Cause I think that will be the answer to if they can hang around in this game uh Fresno at the very least because you know it's, it's gonna come down to who can get stops I trust Boise to get a stop in a crucial spot I mean J.L. Skinner a couple weeks ago against Wyoming two interceptions in the last minute I want to say they did the same thing last week uh to kind of hold off um can't remember who they were playing last week now um but they they had to hold off uh, another team last week too Boise did uh, and, and then obviously a 91 yard touchdown by Taylor Green. Utah State. Yeah, Utah State. So it, this is a tough one. Um, I would say take the over in this game, if anything, but I I just don't know uh, about the betting line. I probably lean towards Boise minus three just because home field, they haven't had a Mountain West championship in, in quite a while now. But man, it will be great to see Jay Kanner go out with a Mountain West championship before his time ends at Fresno. So rooting interest here uh is at an all time high. I I don't care who wins, but but I certainly would love to see, you know, how it unfolds in, in betting wise. I think there there's certainly gonna be a lot of points scored. Yeah, and and I think that's probably the smartest play here is to is to go with the over. Um and if you really like Fresno, I think I'd rather take the money line than the spread because the money line's a nice plus 135. And like it, they're giving you a minus 105 with the spread, but I, it this is going to be a very tough one. I think it, you really want to just pick an outright winner here. Um, I like the matchup of Fresno's like air raid style passing attack versus that Boise State defense. I want to see what JL Skinner's going to be able to do on the back end against guys like Moreno Cropper, Remigio. Um, Kelly, like this is going to be a very, very fun matchup. And they moved to the SEC championship game to the 11 a.m. time slot, Devin, which I did not know until we started recording this show. We, it is not a 3 p.m. kick. So this Fresno Boise game is going to get a lot of attention. And I think that's objectively great for college football. And another thing that's objectively not great for college football is the Big Ten West. And the spoiler makers of Purdue um, are a 16 and a half point underdog to Michigan. And we know what Michigan just did to uh, Ohio state. But one of the weird things about Michigan this year, Devin, they have started incredibly slow against a lot of opponents. The big one that I, I like to bring up is Maryland. They were down to Maryland in the first half. I believe they were down at halftime and then they turned it on late. If they do that against Purdue, do you, how much, in trouble are they going to be against the spoiler makers team? 
decent trouble. Um, I don't think it's crippling, you know, to a point where they wouldn't be able to to come back and win because they they've been able to do that this year. Um, in in their third quarters have been absolutely monstrous. Like they, that is the reason they're undefeated right now. Is their third quarters? They have just blown teams away. Uh, you know, you think think about the the Penn State game, uh, Ohio State game to a certain degree. Um, you know, ag- against Maryland, against uh, Rutgers as well, because they were they were in a, a tight game against Rutgers as well in the first half. Um, I would say decent trouble, but what worries me is the physicality that Michigan plays with. It just does not bode well with Purdue. Um, they are a air raid offense. Their defense is used to be on the field a ton. They made several stops against Illinois a couple of weeks ago to even get to this point. Um, and then obviously winning last week too. You have to have big plays if you're Purdue to, to have a shot in this game. And, and you have to possess the football. The The greatest weakness of, of Michigan, I in my opinion, is when they don't have the ball uh, more than, you know, the other team. They they love to grind and, and run the football and wear you down so that third and fourth quarter they can hit those home run home run passes, home run runs. Uh, obviously, Donovan Edwards had a huge game, but I think if Purdue puts early pressure on Michigan and gets them out of their style, I think Michigan's going to have a tough time. But conversely, if you're Purdue – as much as you want to hit the big plays, as much as you want to, uh, you know, really put pressure on Michigan's defensive backs, you also got to be able to run the football to some degree because you need to give your defense as much time as possible to rest up because Michigan will wear you down. Ultimately, though, I think I, I like Purdue, um, Purdue on the betting line. Uh, I like them plus 16 and a half. I think Michigan is certainly going to wear them down eventually, but Purdue can score points and they've proven against pretty much anybody they face this year, they will score, you know, even against Penn state who has one of the better defenses in, in uh, college football, they put up 31 points and uh, there were times they could have had more. So I, I think for Purdue, it, it really comes down to controlling, controlling the game. You got to control the game from the jump or Michigan is, is going to wear you down and, and run you out of the building. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. And one more point, then we're going to kind of get to some futures here before we wrap things up. J.J. McCarthy needed to be a dynamic threat against Ohio State. In the first half, Michigan ran 11 times, only got 10 yards, and then obviously Donovan Edwards took over in the fourth quarter to really seal the deal. But J.J. McCarthy and the success that he had uh, against that Ohio State defense, throwing the ball down the field and taking advantage of some of those zero blitzes uh, was really the pivotal factor. How much of an impact is he going to have in the passing game against this Purdue team? Or are they even going to have to um, utilize that in their arsenal to get the win here? I think so. I think Purdue is going to to load up on the run. And it's going to give uh, McCarthy opportunities to run the football. Um, you know, Purdue isn't, uh, Purdue isn't the greatest defense in the world, but I think they can certainly hold their own. Um, and they're going to make it tough for for Michigan, I think, especially early on to, um, you know, run the football effectively. So I think McCarthy is going to 
have to use his legs uh, at some point in the first half to uh, to extend drives, especially on those third and long situations where I think Purdue is probably going to, you know, try and, uh, you know, get after get after him and, and force him to, to make some quick passes. I think he'll have some opportunities to, um, you know, to create, you know, uh, off script and, and be able to, to use his legs to, to keep drives uh, moving. So I, I think he's certainly going to be forced to, uh, you know, beat him with his legs. Um, and for Purdue, it, it's really going to come down to containment. Um, you know, once he starts to make his move, got to have someone spying him. So I, I'm very interested to see the chess match that's going to be happening uh, on Saturday night between the two teams and see who makes what adjustments and how they will be done. So, I, But I think McCarthy's legs are, are going to have to play a huge part, especially if, if they struggle offensively in the first couple of drives. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really, a really big pivotal factor, and I'm fascinated to see it. And they're they're going to have all the time in the world because they are the only game on Devon in that seven o'clock window. Because um, Clemson, North Carolina, the ACC championship game, which has been late night, it got moved to the eleven o'clock slate. Which it, I, I don't understand the scheduling here, but hey, good for the Big Ten for getting the only um, PM time slot here couple things before we wrap up, Devin. Um, I want to hear your best bet here for um, the NCAA championship winner. Um, we've got Georgia minus 155, Michigan plus 290, Ohio State plus 1,000, USC plus 1,200, TCU is also at plus 1,200. And the real wild card here, and something I've been saying um, pretty frequently, I think Alabama ends up making this playoff. They are plus 3,000 to win the national championship. And I think it's noteworthy that those are the only six teams on the board. What are you thinking when it comes to um, who's going to win the national championship here? And what what odds do you like? For me, I think it's, it's Georgia until proven otherwise. Uh, I think for me, there just hasn't been anyone that has pushed them, you know, really to the brink this, this season at the very least. Um not even Tennessee, you know, not even Kentucky. Uh, Florida gave them a decent run in the second half, but I don't, I don't feel like they've truly been challenged yet. You know, I think stylistically on paper, Michigan probably matches up with them somewhat, but to me, I think they win it all. But if we're talking like flyers or, or you know, kind of long shot bets, I kind of like USC plus 1,200. And – Part of that is because there is a slim chance that Bama can make it in to the college football playoff, right? And I know Bama is probably going to be one of your long shot bets, but Bama's probably the one team that Georgia doesn't want to play. You know, when you look at this field, just because as much as Alabama has struggled, the one quarterback that can make magic outside Caleb Williams is Bryce Young and Bryce Young as much as they are have struggled this season they've lost what their two games by a combined total of four points I mean Mm -hmm. that is brutal (laughs) and it's not you know because their their defense isn't as good as as before you know just had some bad breaks right 
And I think for me, taking USC plus 1200, I think it just makes sense right now because I think they're going to get favorable, somewhat favorable matchups. Like I know they they probably will end up playing Michigan in in that playoff game. And, you know, Michigan's probably going to run all over them. But the one team that, you know, can match point for point is USC. And I think in a shootout, I, I kind of like USC over Michigan, you know, because McCarthy's going to have to make plays that he hasn't made really before all season outside of the Ohio State game. So to me, I think Georgia wins, but my long shot bet, I like I like USC plus 1,200. USC plus 1,200 feels like a really good bet, and I'm, I'm going to put some money on Alabama plus 3,000. Look, Alabama's got two losses. Yeah, no team has ever made it with two losses. Before Alabama got in without even making the SEC championship game, no team had ever made it without winning their conference. And the only exception to that was Notre Dame. But Notre Dame has a special set of circumstances because they're an independent. Basically, you went out there and with that, what kind of schedule that they play, they kind of count that. Um, I, I think they're going to find a way to get Alabama in this tournament because I expect one of USC or TCU to lose. And with that happens, it's going to be easy for a two-loss SEC team that lost on the road at Tennessee by three on a last-second field goal and at LSU by one on a two-point conversion in overtime that Alabama is more deserving than an Ohio State team that got boat raced in the second half by Michigan at home. Um, that And plus 3,000, look, if Alabama gets in the dance, you know they're going to do damage. It's Alabama. And the return on your investment, like if you threw 25 bucks on it, yeah, you're talking a a massive return of like $750. Um, I like those odds quite a bit. And there's a chance that they don't even make it at all. But you, you're taking a, a bet on Alabama and the committee wanting to shoehorn them in, which is which is where I'm coming from. But if you don't like that element, I think USC is probably your best bet. I don't like Georgia minus 155. Your return is nowhere near what it should be considering the type of stakes they're playing. They still have to win two games against two elite opponents. Um, One more thing before we go, Devin, because I know you uh, need to get going here is um, Heisman trophy. I'm going to rattle these numbers off. Um, Tell me if you like anybody other than Caleb Williams here. Because Caleb Williams right now is minus 2,500. Going into the weekend, he was plus 120, which is just a an astounding leap this late in the season. Um, Max Duggan is plus 2,000. CJ Stroud plus 3,000. Stetson Bennett, I don't understand why he's even considered um, to be a top five candidate, let alone a candidate, at plus 10,000. Same with Michael Penix Jr. And Bryce Young at plus 20,000. Um, is there any bet that you like here? Um, or is it just something that you should stay away from because you're not going to get your return back. I think it's one of those things. If you missed the boat, you missed it. You know, it, there's just nothing in my opinion, then that's there. Uh, I think Stroud kind of sealed his fate uh, last week, you know, against Michigan. And then, you know, for me, I just think it's kind of, kind of too late in the game, you know, like you, maybe Max Duggan, if he has a monster game, could be a flyer. I wouldn't put more than like five or ten bucks down. But at this point, you know, unless Kayla Williams like absolutely, you know, just has a awful game, like four or five interceptions, 
then maybe Stroud comes back into play. But I, I just don't see anything right now, confidence-wise, that would lead me to believe that anything else other than Williams, you know, taking home the hardware at this point, um, you know, would 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 be uh, a good bet. You know, just just not ideal. Um, and it, it kind of sucks because it seemed like Hendon Hooker was gonna maybe make a run uh, at that at that as well before his injury. I think it would have been a fascinating um, debate if he was still around. But I think right now, if you missed the boat, I think it it just just want let I would let that one go. I, I I just wouldn't. I don't think there's anything there that that, that will sway. I think. Uh, kind of the the opinion and and what everyone foregone conclusion that that Kayla Owens will take it home, take home the Heisman uh, in New York in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm with you there, um, Devin. I appreciate you taking the time to kind of preview um, this excellent slate this weekend. Where can the people find you and your work? Because some of the stuff you do um, hits a a really really fun niche. I, I liked the the piece that you did on Marvin Harrison Jr. that got referenced on Fox earlier this year. Um, but where can the people find you? Yep. So uh, on Twitter, real D underscore Jackson um, on a uh, on <clears throat> the inquirer dot com under the betting section, I'll write some things every now and then and then uh, some feature articles on uh, like you said, Marvin Harrison Jr. got a couple more coming up on uh, Tyke Smith and Jeremiah Schrader Jr. Um, that will be up this weekend ahead of the champion their championship games. Um, so uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, you can find that on inquire.com slash betting, I believe, for some of the betting articles I do. It's mostly uh, around like trending stuff, Eagles, Sixers, kind of Philadelphia-centric things. But uh, you know, cut some of my college football work. You can find it under the college sports tab on the Inquirer. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate uh, you joining me here, Devin and Team USA. Just beat Iran one nothing to advance in the World Cup to the knockout round. And uh, enjoy the weekend of college football. And make sure you tune in with all of us at Fantasy Points. I will have a my futures article coming out here shortly after you listen to this, and then I will be um, breaking down all every game uh, from this weekend with that that involves a conference championship so stick around we got a lot more coming especially with bowl season take care